It is Thursday, February 3rd. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who'll fight to rename, to retain the name, Commander J.P. Shadrick. Welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Thursday afternoon and a busy show ahead. Well, there's really no new news yet, but here's what's coming up. Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman is coming up. Haven't seen him in a few weeks. Uh, Jaguars continue the coaching search. There are rumors and reports. We'll get to some of those. We'll take a look at the NFL head coach tracker. Teams that have hired and the teams that have yet to hire head coaches. The Jaguars interview tracker as well. Names that they have interviewed. And um, maybe are currently. Who knows? We'll uh, look at that coming up. We'll, um, of course, go around the National Football League. A busy offseason already around the league. Newsworthy. And uh, it's not even the Super Bowl yet. Jeff Logeman with us now. Jaguars analyst. Good afternoon. What's up, Logs? Good afternoon. Yeah, nice haven't, hat. Haven't seen you in about, uh, what, three, four weeks? Something like that? It, has it been that long? It's been a hot minute. Was it the season? Yeah, I guess it was. It was. You weren't on last week. Yeah, uh, so yeah. that would be... I was on vacation last week, JP. Yeah, well, good. And so, rightly so. Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, had a little trip to the, to the mountains of Tennessee, mm. and I got to see what the Smoky Mountains are all about, so it was a great vacation, great getaway. Thought for sure that the Jaguars would have a head coach hired by then, mm. but not. Well, the reports were they were close, and then they weren't. And maybe they're close again, but who knows? We have not seen the white smoke out of the chimney yet. I, I really believed that this this job last year was the most attractive in the National Football League. You had a, a first overall draft pick with the possibility of drafting Trevor Lawrence. You had a team that was flush with cap room that had plenty, I mean, a full array of draft picks and then Urban Meyer is hired, and I really believe that this could have been the number one most attractive job as well this year. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, it, it hasn't been that. And you can point to a lot of different things, but the fact of the matter is is that five openings have been filled before this one has been filled. And if this was the number one attractive job, then people would have been holding out hope to get this job at some point. And so here it is, you know, this, there's four openings left. Uh, this team is, is one of them. And uh, we're still kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. And, and, I, and I think that's a very curious situation to go from, from last year, this being the hot job to take and, and the number one job to take where it could have been this year. And then all of a sudden, here we are in this hiring cycle. And, you know, that, uh, that, that brings more questions into the equation. Uh, by the way, we're right at 50 days since Urban Meyer was fired. Seven weeks. You know, so you had a head start on yeah. a lot of teams, That's right. which, uh, which also should have been able to give you an edge in the evaluation uh, of, your, of your coaching search. And, and look, I, I'm all about getting it right. So if, if making it take longer means getting it right, I'm all for it. But I think a lot of times – if you're not making the right decision in an expedient manner, I think it hampers a lot of other things that you would try to do as an organization with the subsequent hirings after your head coach is hired. 
Let's take a look at the NFL head coach tracker. As you said, Logs, five teams have hired coaches. Well, four officially. One is coming officially after the Super Bowl. Matt Eberflus is going to the Bears. Nate Hackett to the Broncos. Josh McDaniels to the Raiders. Brian Dable to the Giants. And then after the Super Bowl is done, Kevin O'Connell has an agreement apparently with the Vikings. They'll make that official by rule after uh, the day after most likely the Super Bowl. Uh, four teams open, of course, the Jags, the Saints, the Texans, and the Dolphins are remaining. Yeah, and then uh, the Texans' job, I think that there's a lot of questions about that one. Uh, it was reported today they're down to three finalists for that gig, by the way. Well, and then the Saints, I mean, that was something that kind of came out of left field with the retirement. And uh, so I don't know what's going to happen there. The Dolphins, I think, also have, so, you know, these are curious situations that remain. And, and the reason I say that is that you the all the openings that you looked at for the most part with the the Giants, the Vikings, the Raiders, the Broncos, the Bears, for the most part, it was kind of a hiring a GM and coach. I think the one thing that was right. a little bit different was the Denver Broncos situation because Patton was hired, I believe, after uh, Vic Fangio was uh, was hired. So. But for the most part, you've, you've brought two guys in together. And so with the Dolphins, the Jaguars, and uh, the Saints, uh, and the Texans, there's existing personnel guys that are already there. And could that be a hindrance to some people? Maybe, you know, because a lot of times there's not a relationship with what may be viewed as a, a top candidate with the person that is in personnel. So a lot of times when they are hired together, they're, they're kind of joined at the hip. In some in in some respects, just like you know what Dave Caldwell and Gus Bradley, when when they were hired, it was kind of okay. These two guys are together for the most part. Let's take a look at the Jaguars interview tracker via NFL.com, and they have listed all of the reported names that have interviewed with the Jags. And there's it's a long list for the Jaguars, by the way. We mentioned some of those earlier have already gone on to other gigs. Eberflus, Hackett. Uh, Kevin O'Connell is the pending hire by the Vikings. And, you know, some of these other names, Dan Quinn was at least in touch with the Jags, but then decided to remain the Cowboys' defensive coordinator. Some of these guys got second interviews, some did not. But it did feel like there was a report this past week that the Jaguars were putting in to talk to Kevin O'Connell. But then they had to wait until after the Super Bowl. Well, now O'Connell's been hired that was like the well, latest they had to wait after the Super Bowl because they didn't have a first a first interview in that window they didn't have it but since he is now which by the way just real, real quick by the way that if, if that were the case if you tried to interview Kevin O'Connell and you weren't aware of the rules well, that's, yeah. of not having the first interview then then shame on you for not knowing the rules correct that was the latest name to be added to the Jaguars list I, I believe the last name so since he's been hired I mean, I don't think there are any more dark horse candidates coming out. You would think at this point, you know, maybe, maybe there are, but uh, it's kind of wow. it goes, it's going back to the the names that we've seen reported the last couple of weeks. Guys like Leftwich and Peterson. Well, and I think first right of all, there. both of those would be tremendous candidates. I think Doug Peterson, Super Bowl winner, proven guy. Byron Leftwich has got a, <clears throat> a link to the franchise. You know, I'm not sure about the reports that he wanted to have Adrian Wilson in as general manager. Now, could there be a dark horse candidate? I, I say absolutely. And the reason I say that is that the, 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 a lot of the teams in this head coaching hiring process have been very transparent. 
and that okay, hey, we interviewed. They put out on Twitter, we interviewed so and so, and uh, and yeah. tomorrow we're interviewing so and so. That's right. There hasn't been any of that no. with the Jaguars. None. There, there, it's been very secretive uh, in some respects. And so, when you say there are no dark horse candidates anymore, Maybe who are. the hell knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, we don't really know. I mean, what the list, uh, the interview list that that we compiled there that that we NFL.com compiled that NFL.com. Yeah. I mean, we didn't put that list together. I mean, that's what what they're speculating, but none of that has been. "Quote unquote confirmed." Yeah, right. So, right. You know, so I, I could there be a dark horse candidate? Sure, could be. Is it likely? I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. Right? I, do, could, I don't know. Say, it's crazy, right? You could say no chance, but there's always a chance. Hey, hey look, you uh, unless, uh, you're, from, unless you're sitting in the room with them, you know, you don't that really movie know. Dumb and Dumber. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> <laughs> Which one of the greatest lines ever? Uh. So that's where we stand. I mean, there's – and to your point, it was February 3rd, right? There's only four teams remaining to hire coaches. Mm-hmm. These other staffs are already starting to, to come together around the new head coaches. Oh, absolutely. Even Kevin O'Connell, I guarantee you, right. is already putting a staff together at the same time that he's putting together with his head coach a game plan for the Super Bowl. I mean, that that's – that's what you do. I mean, look, if you've got an opportunity to be the head coach, you're not going to sit back and go, hey, look, you know, I really got to concentrate on the Super Bowl. You know, uh, <laughs> and I can't worry about putting my staff together. <laughs> what? No, I'm putting the staff together. I'm getting on the phone in my spare time every chance that I get, and I'm texting guys between, you know, game plan meetings for the Super Bowl because I'm telling Sean McVay, look, man, I'm I'm going to be a head coach with the Vikings. I got to get my stuff together, man. Right. Okay, you can handle the game plan. I'll help you as much as I can, but I, I got I got to I got to work, man. You know, so I mean, look, the guys are putting staffs together, and and that's when when you've had an opening for 49, 50 days, or however long it's been. I mean, that's one of the great advantages to having. The first opportunity at hiring somebody is to be kind of first in line. Mm-hmm. First of all, you want to cherry pick your head coach. And then once you get the opportunity to get the pick of the litter, then you can cherry pick or get the pick of the litter with your staff. And that's, I mean, that's critical. I mean, I think, I really believe that that's critical, especially when uh, you have a staff that there's not going to be or apparently not going to be a connection with the past regime. For example, you know, like the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if something happened with John Harbaugh to where John Harbaugh decided not to coach anymore, they're probably going to hire a guy that has some connection to the Ravens organization. But why wouldn't they? Yes. Which then in, would follow that some of the guys that are already on the staff are going to be retained – by the new head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. With this staff, which was put together by a former college coach, how many people from the staff are going to be staying on board? Well, they've already started to go away. I mean, a handful have already taken gigs elsewhere or college jobs. Right. And there's reports that Joe Cullen is There were people no taking here. jobs before the season ended. George Warhop's interviewing. That was a report a while ago. So, I mean – yeah. So, I mean, that's, I think that's the hard part. And I think that makes it a little bit frustrating is that, okay, did, did you get the pick of the litter from, from the head coaching uh, availability? I mean, you could say 
maybe not. I don't. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you're going to get the guy that you were tagging all along or that you had in your sights all along. But when, when it's been 49 or 50 days, sometimes it gives the appearance, certainly, that that's not the case. And then I can tell you right now that you're losing out on hiring staff. Fact. Indisputable. You are losing out on hiring the best of the best from a staff perspective. All right, here's a question for you. Maybe we, we'll, I'm going to get an answer to this question. We want answers on this show. Well, I, I, I want how much? How important is the staff as opposed to the talent and the personnel? The talent you have to have the talent. How much can the staff actually do if you're, you know, really talented? I'm, I'm still a big believer in that. And that coaching matters. Okay. You know, and look, and I've heard many people talk about it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And that's true. But X's and O's matters too. And anybody that believes that any part of an organization is not as important as another part should be fired immediately. Oh, wow. Because I'm I'm a strong believer in that everything matters. And when I say everything matters from from the assistant coaches that you have to your coordinators to your head coach, and obviously the head coach has to be a tremendous leader, uh, who you have in management from a personnel standpoint who's picking the players to come in, that matters. It matters the, the players that you have and the background and the values that they bring from a playing skill set standpoint, but also from a value standpoint and how they're built internally. It all matters. And if, and if you're not trying to – get better in all areas and getting the best that you can be in all areas, then I think you have less of a chance of being a consistent winner. That's, that's one of the beauties when you look at the organizations that have a history of winning, they have a history of consistency with their coaching staffs and from an organizational standpoint. And they've got quality people, quality people. I mean, you know, and I, and I, the New England Patriots. I mean, it starts with one guy in Bill Belichick. Okay, but he doesn't do it by himself. He has a trusted uh, collection of people. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy to be, become part of that circle of trust with Bill Belichick. The, and I bring up the Ravens because the Ravens have been able to do it through multiple types of, of quarterbacks. They've been able to do it through multiple personnel executives. Mm-hmm. From Ozzie Newsom to the to the new guy, what's his name? Uh, drawing a blank, but anyway, the new guy that they have, who worked under Ozzie, right. and who, by the way, refused many jobs to stay on board with the Ravens because he knew that he was going to be the eventual replacement to Ozzie Newsom. But I mean, that's that's what you need to strive to be. I mean, that organization, I think, has done a fantastic job, and they have groomed a lot of coaches from their own staff. How many coaches did you see them have to where all of a sudden they lose a coordinator, whether it be offensive or defensive, and then they're just promoting from Next within. Guy, here they go. Because yep. they're, they, they, they know the way that they want it done in Baltimore. And I, I have great appreciation for John Harbaugh. I think John Harbaugh, I think the ownership in Baltimore, uh, Ozzie Newsom, I think, uh, helped set a standard there, and that's why they win all the time. We saw it firsthand training camp a few years ago, going up there and seeing how they, they work in the building and operate their organization. Firsthand look at it for the Jaguars a few years back. Uh, let's come back in a moment. Plenty more ahead. A little later, we'll go around the National Football League. Plenty of storylines. And we're not even to the Super Bowl yet. We're, we're over a week from the Super Bowl. 
and it feels like this has been the longest offseason ever. By the way, that was uh, one of the best championship weekends in a long time. We'll get to that when we return as well. We are off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by DreamFinders Homes, homes that fit your lifestyle. And by Baptist Health, changing healthcare for good. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, Thursday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. Glad you're along with us. Joe Fortunato on the audio, Brent Reber on the video side. The offseason is here. The wheels are turning for the Jacksonville Jaguars, we think. (laughs) There's some reports and things going on, but nothing has been announced as of yet. Some of the reported names that have interviewed for the Jaguars head coaching job have taken other gigs already, of course. So, um, you know, it kind of feels like the, the wheels are turning, though, right? I mean, there's these Does extra – Well, I mean, to me, because you're <laughs> Turning seeing, or spinning? Well, they're not spinning too quickly, apparently. But uh, you're starting to see these other names um, come out. Like today, there was a report again today from Mike Garofolo of NFL Network that the Jaguars are working toward adding former Vikings GM Rick Spielman to the front office in an unspecified role. He's had a long career in the National Football League. He's been the GM of the Vikings since 2012 through this past season when they cleaned house there. He'd been with the Vikings since 06. So you start seeing names like that. You mentioned Adrian Wilson a moment ago with the Leftwich stuff last week. You know, mm-hmm. Is this more than a head coaching change? Trent Baalke is the general manager for the Jaguars. Uh, what – does Mr. Khan have in mind? That only Mr. Khan knows that, obviously. Yeah, that's. I think that's a great question. Um, there have been reports that uh, that some people uh, were not thrilled about the opportunity here because Trent Baalke was in place. Is that uh, factual information? I don't know. I haven't talked to any of those people, but I will tell you this: that. When reports start coming out about a Spielman or a Wilson or something of that nature, yeah. you know, reports, I mean, you know, the old saying is where there's smoke, there's fire. But in what capacity? Right. What is the structure of the organization going to be? I so think not, and, that, and that's why you just have to kind of wait and see what ownership is going to do because, I mean, that's, that's his decision. When, when he decides to make the, the call – on who and then also what he's going to let us know and the structure could be anything could it could it involve an EVP to where the EVP has a general manager and a coach yeah could it be where you just have a general manager and a coach and then they both report directly to him sure mm-hmm. I don't know if to if the there's coach a right to the answer, GM and then to the owner, there's all those possibilities. You know, the, yeah. the one thing I think that I'm a big believer in, and that when somebody gets an opportunity to be the head coach, that's gonna it's there's gonna be a lot of money op- with the opportunity of being a head coach, and so I think I think some people view that as quote unquote striking the lottery, and so if you're if you're you, and that's why I think this hiring process can be so challenging is that you want to make sure that you get a person that it's not about the money. It's about, it's about the team, and it's about winning. It's about culture. It's more than just about me, the head coach, 
and boy, am I going to be set for life because I just got $25 million guaranteed. That's not what it can be about. And that's, those people are hard to find, okay? I mean, we look, Andy Reid, I think, is, is a perfect example of the guy, the type of guy that you're looking for. John Harbaugh, they're driven more than just money. Do they want to be compensated fairly? Sure. Yeah. Everybody does. Absolutely. But it's more than, than just the money. And so I, that, I think that's very challenging. It's, it's no different than finding the right people on the personnel side of things. You have to find people that whose agenda includes getting this organization to be a perennial winner, a consistent winner. It's not about, well, I want to make sure that I'm taken care of. I want to make sure that my political power is still intact. I want to make sure that my contract is where it needs to be. No, I mean, you got to find people that they, they, they are so far above and beyond that. It's about the brand and the logo and the team and the people in the organization. And that's not easy to find. No, that's that. And, uh, you know, it's really not. There's only a few organizations around the league, I think you could say, have been stable over a long period of time in that regard. Yeah, it's there not, it's not easy. It, it's not easy. And, uh, and what's the right way to do things? I don't think there's a right way. There's, uh, there's some teams that, that ownership is involved in a, in a day-to-day process, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that helps in a lot of ways to, to, for the awareness of, of things that are happening on a day-to-day basis. If, if you have somebody like Mr. Khan who is involved in, in other businesses and is not here on a day-to-day basis, do you need to have that EVP, that person who can see things on a day-to-day basis and who can evaluate with experienced eyes? I mean, look, I mean, there's a, there's a case to be made for having a lot of different formulations and, and setups to the organization structure. But, uh, but most importantly, you have to find those people that the agenda is lacking, and it's when I say the agenda, the personal agenda takes a back seat to what the team and organizational agenda is. You know, I'm just off the cuff here thinking, you know, around the league, uh, top cultural destinations around the league, most stable organizations. The number one in my mind is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, they don't change coaches ever. The ownership's been there forever. Well, Pittsburgh um, Steelers, New England Patriots, Baltimore Ravens. Right, but the Steelers even over a longer period of time, right? I mean, since the sure. 70s, right? And they've, and they've been consistent throughout that. There's been some change in New England now as of the last 20 years. Obviously, they've mm-hmm. had a lot of success. Seattle's another one. Seattle it's had has consistency for a that. while. Yeah, so, you know, but th- there aren't many. I mean, Dallas has not had a lot of success over the years since the Super Bowl runs of the 90s. Um, they've had the same ownership. That's been consistent. Mm-hmm. They've had a lot of success off the field, obviously. Uh, and that, that's the example of ownership being involved every day. I mean, oh, he's, yeah. he's right there in the mix. In, in owner slash general manager <laughs> Jerry Jones. Owner yeah, slash whatever his, he wants to that's do. That's his title. <laughs> that's, that's his gig. So there's different ways to go about it, but there are, are just really a handful that – I think you could define as really stable organizations in the league. Yeah, there's not a lot, but that's what you always strive for. Yeah, you know, that's that's what you strive for, and uh, and, yeah, and Baltimore would be in there, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what, I mean. Baltimore is is by far in there. Yeah. I mean, that's I think that's the organization that has had more turnover, but less change than most teams, and which is kind of odd to say that more turn, turnover but less change. Mm-hmm. And that's just because they've been able to 
to develop not only players, but they've developed people in their organization from a, from a staffing standpoint on the coaching staff and on the personnel side of things. And that's, that's been impressive. And, uh, I mean, it's not very often that you see somebody from the Ravens organization that just leaves. I mean, they, 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 that's their, their Ravens, right? It's kind of what what they are. Ravens for life. So I, I appreciate that, but, uh, it, it, it's a challenge. It's always a challenge, and it's not easy to get it right. So, as I said before, 49, 50 days, here we are. And is it is it an optimum set of circumstances where we're at right now? No. No. Would you like to have had that position filled? Absolutely. Because there's so much more to do after you name that person. And uh, don't look now, the combine is in a month, and then free agency starts in a month and a half. Well, and, and putting a staff together, right? Um, there's, there's so much to do. And when you think about, okay, the combine's so close, the free agency is not that far. But, I mean, I go back to that staff, the staffing part. Uh, you're missing out. Right now you're missing out. And then you can't argue that. When we return, it's uh, college prospect scouting season. The All-Star Games are uh, happening. We'll get Jeff Lagerman's annual Shrine Bowl story. You bring <laughs> that up every year, I think, around this time, which is good. Well, and, and you know, the, when you say about all these All-Star Games, you're also missing out with a staff's opportunity to evaluate, to add to your personnel department's opinion. Right. Scouts are scouting, but, but the co- more eyes, the better. Coaches have an opinion in scouting, too. Sure. Coaches have to give you directive. Hey, look, we're looking for this type of guy to fit this system. There's not uh, you don't know what type of guy and what type of system you're running right now. They're just uh, collecting information, it feels like. Let's come back in a moment. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back, Jaguars Happy Hour. And if you're watching us on Jaguars.com or Jag Social Media, it's a live look at the demolition of the practice fields for the new football performance center that is slated to open for 2023 training camp. They started, what, a day or two after the season ended here and, and put up the temporary fencing, brought in a couple of mobile trailers for the offices for the construction, and then started tearing things down. The bleachers are now gone. Field one, which was nearest to the bleachers, is now chopped up halfway. They're taking the drainage out of one portion. They're taking down the concrete wall on the south end. Uh, Well, there's a lot going on right now. At least there's uh, some shovels in the ground, and that's a good thing to see. Yeah, uh, they didn't waste any time. And and poor field one. Field one (laughs) used to be one of those rubber, ground-up rubber inlaid artificial turf fields. It's hot. As hell, and then the summer, it was gotten rid of because it was hot and it was uh, not the greatest surface in the world to and turned into a natural grass field, mm-hmm. and now it's going to be turned up and turned into something else. I, I think, first of all, it's going to be an amazing complex, and from what I understand, it's going to be very similar to the Miami Dolphins complex. Yes, correct. Some similarities there from an architectural standpoint. I think that saved them a little bit of time to because if that facility's already been designed a certain way, you can take some pieces of that. It saves sure. you a little time and develop. Yeah, which is smart. I mean, in the in the essence of time, I, I just remember 
when uh, you go back to 1995 when we didn't have a field at that time. <laughs> and uh, where those, uh, uh, I think where the fair, fairgrounds are at, where uh, was it right there by, I'm trying to remember the exact location of the old baseball grounds. Oh, the, the Wolfson Park you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. kind of on the footprint of the practice on the, field. On the footprint of the practice field. Right. So yeah. we didn't have a, a field in the, in the beginning of 1995. So when we used to go outside to do, we would do some like, like plyometrics and stuff, you know, where you're doing high knees and butt kicks and shuffling and all that kind of stuff. I know stuff. all that stuff, yeah. Right, right, right. Of course. Yeah, I do you you still do it, all, do it the all the time. I do it all the time, yeah. And uh, we would go out to – the baseball field, Wolfson Park. Yeah. I, that's right. That's yeah. what it was called that's back right. then. It was yeah. Wolfson Park back then. Yeah. And we would tear it up. <laughs> you know, we're wearing Chop it to pieces. We're wearing cleats, you know, <laughs> and I just felt bad because, you know, when you do football drills from the same spot, you know, you, so we're just tearing up this outfield. And I just want sitting there, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, if I'm a baseball player and I come out here for a game or a practice and and all these football guys have been out here and I'm looking at my field, I'm 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 not very happy right now. Because our field at the time, which I, I, if I remember correctly, that used to be the old paint factory on the south end of the stadium. Mm. So they essentially brought in some dirt to cover up all the lead from the old paint factory, okay, okay right. and covered it up and then put some sod down. And so we were practicing on probably some bad things for many years. And then it got moved to eventually the location that it's at now. But it's been a lot of transition with those practice fields over the years. There was a lot of good teams on those early practice fields, there too. There was. By the very way. good teams. Yeah. Very good players. Hall of Famer, as a matter of fact, Tony Vasselli, Jimmy Smith, Fred Taylor was on those fields. Jeff Lagerman was on Not those Not a Hall fields. of Famer. By the way, it, when, when, when do they announce the Hall of Fame? I'm, I'm uh, rooting for next, Tony. This coming third, a week from today. A week from today. That's when the honor show is. I believe it's during that show okay. that they'll announce it. I, it's I, already I, been voted upon, but the results are not out there yet. So we'll, okay. I think we'll find out. I just day. wanted to know because, I mean, I, I knew it was coming up because it's yeah. always Super Bowl week, and I didn't know the exact date because, I mean, I, I, I think he's going to get in this year. And so well All deserved. the other linemen are in. So. And, and by yeah. the way, just wanted to bring this up because um, – uh, the guy that did a radio show, and I, and I retweeted what he said, and I think it was um, a former offensive lineman that played in the league, uh, 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 Ryan. What? No, no, it was uh, he does some radio stuff. Anyway, oh, Ross from, Tucker. Ross Tucker, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ross Tucker did a segment with somebody where he talked about watching film of the great left tackles during his era. And it was, uh, and, and I thought he was spot on and that he talked about, you know, Ogden as being a really good football player, which Jonathan was. He's one of those guys that when I went against him, I really didn't have a plan because it just, I didn't know what was going to work because he was such a freakish athlete, athlete in so long. And then there was Walter Jones and Orlando Pace and Walter Jones. And, and he brought this up that Walter Jones and Baselli were the two best, but he said Baselli was the best. And, and there is, in my opinion, he is spot on. I never, I never, ever watched one of my own offensive players with such great admiration as Tony Baselli. I mean, he was a guy that when we weren't on the field as a defense, I would get my cup of water and then walk back to a spot that I could watch him go against the greats, whether it had been Sean Jones or Bruce Smith or whoever, and I'd watch him kick their rear end. And it was one of the great – I mean, I had a front-row ticket, man. 
popcorn. I mean, front row ticket to a great player. And I'm talking about a great player that was making great players look like they were nothing. Yeah, sure. And he was without a doubt the best left tackle in that era. And that's hands down without a doubt. Let's hope the um, the coronation begins next week. That would the be only nice. thing that he doesn't have in comparison to some of these other guys is the longevity. That's right. That's, that's the it. Only thing. Or he'd be in already. But 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 his heights for three four years was higher than those guys. But it just again that longevity thing. A lot of those guys did it for. 12, you know, 13, 14 years, however many years that they did it, they just did it longer. So anyway, I, I'm rooting for him, and, uh, and I, will, I will be jumping up and down if he gets elected next Thursday. Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times, longtime NFL writer, tweeting out just a little over 20 minutes ago. Here's the quote. Hearing Bucks offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich is expected to remove himself from consideration for the Jaguars head coaching job soon – Former Raiders interim head coach Rich Basaccia and former Eagles coach Doug Peterson remain strong candidates, end quote. That's Rick Stroud from Tampa Bay uh, about 24 minutes ago right now. Yeah, interesting uh, that, Well, it's very interesting that somebody would remove, remove themselves from consideration given that, uh, I mean, being a head coach in the National Football League is a tremendous opportunity. Uh, I think that's very curious. I'd love to know the reasoning behind that. There's a lot of speculation, a lot of speculation as to why he hasn't been hired yet. And uh, it has to do with the general manager situation, and that's the speculation. I don't know if that's why he would pull himself out of consideration, but Rick Stroud is a reputable guy who has had uh, very reputable information in the past. And I think that, that would be unfortunate if that's the case. But I, I will tell you that I think Byron Leftwich is a wonderful candidate, I think Rick Basaccia is a is a outstanding candidate. As a matter of fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a conversation with Gus Bradley about him, and Gus couldn't couldn't speak highly enough about him. Oh, sure, yeah. great things to say about mm-hmm. him. And then, obviously, uh, Doug Peterson has won a Super Bowl, and he kind of fell out of favor in Philadelphia, if people will remember back, because there was this falling out with the Carson Wentz situation and Carson Wentz wasn't exactly handled with kid gloves at at the last part of of with Philadelphia okay if you look back at that and you evaluate where Carson Wentz is at now who handled that properly I think Doug Peterson handled it right and that he knew that Carson Wentz wasn't the franchise answer at quarterback and so why continue to continue on with a charade that he's going to be this great quarterback when he didn't have a belief in him because the general manager gave him this long extension? Long extension doesn't make you the answer. Right. and doesn't make you a great quarterback. Great play makes somebody a great quarterback. So I think, I think Doug Peterson would be a, a wonderful hire. He's been there. He's done that. He's, he's been a, around the league forever, too. He's been a player, around for a long time. He's a long-time player, quarterback for the Dolphins and the Packers and the Eagles, the Browns. I mean, the guy he's a backup most of his career. So he's been around the league for a long, long time. And he's an offensive mind. Yeah. And we have, we have uh, a great young quarterback here in Jacksonville that I believe very strongly in. 
And I and he just he needs to be developed. He needs to continue to be surrounded with talent. And most importantly, he needs to be surrounded with stability. And if you think that just because you have this wonderful young quarterback that wins are magically going to appear, take a look at the Detroit Lions under Matthew Stafford and tell me how that worked out. Yeah, right. Not going to happen. No, that, no. that magic pixie dust of just having a quarterback and getting it all right doesn't work. You got, you got to have that in place to have a chance, but it doesn't mean that you're gonna you have it solved. It's an organization. Can you imagine if if yeah. Matthew Stafford had an opportunity to play with a good football team for a long period of time, like one that he's been surrounded with in L.A.? I was going to say he's on one now, and the first year in, here they go Going to the Super Bowl. That's right, first year. So I mean that's. Some of those things that you that you watch and you observe his, the history, you can't you cannot ignore, and you cannot allow them to be ignored in the decision making process that you're making for your organization moving forward. We'll come back in a moment and go around the National Football League. Plenty of headlines, storylines around the league. Uh, a little over a week away from the Super Bowl, as we uh, just uh, mentioned, uh, apparently. Uh, Bucks offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich expected to remove himself from consideration for the Jags head coaching job. That's according to Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. We're back with more in a moment. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. We're back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Thursday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Glad you're with us. The offseason rolls along. Reports this afternoon that Byron Leftwich is expected to pull his name out of the running for the Jaguars head coaching job, and that has the social media world abuzz. I'll say that right now. The social media world has been abuzz, aflame for quite some time. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. It will continue, I believe. I mean, people have a right to express their opinion, and uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you just got to be respectful about it. But – Express yourself as you desire. College All-Star season, Senior Bowl week. We were supposed to go cover, but we were had to hang, hung, had to hang back here just in case things happen with the coaching search. We weren't, you know. So you got tipped off that there was going to be a coach no, named? No, not at all. Are you I'm lying? Just, I'm not at all. Are you withholding information? Is is this? Are you tweeting right now? Is mm. this what you're doing? <laughs> That's what it sounds like on Twitter right now. No, uh, so didn't get a chance to go this year to Senior Bowl practices and all that. Uh, Shrine Bowl is tonight in Las Vegas. Hmm. They moved that location. Obviously, in the old days, it used to be out west. Palo Alto. Yep, and then they moved it to St. Pete for the last number of years in Tropicana Field. Now, you and don't now, want to be in California nowadays. And now, sure. it's, now it's in Vegas at the yeah, stadium. That's great. I yeah. mean, it's great. I mean, and Bucky Brooks is on the call tonight on NFL Network. Our guy. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Good for good. him. It'll be good. That's a that, that's a, a, t- a tough broadcast if you're trying to talk just like like the the game itself. But if you're a, if you're a personnel junkie like Bucky, I mean it's a you know it's a great job. These days, at least the last number of years, um, it's kind of the the Shrine Bowl has been the game for the fourth round through seventh round kind of prospect guys the senior bowl has been you know usually it's the older guys they have second round of third or fourth round okay for the most part what's what's the round what's the one then for the top picks 
Well, they don't go to any of them. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> they trade on give, their own. Give you an idea that years ago, yeah. the Senior Bowl was viewed, there was three of them in my era. Okay, you had the uh, Blue-Gray game. Yeah, on Christmas in Montgomery, Alabama. Exactly, and that was considered like the, the lesser of all of the All-Star games. Mm-hmm. Mainly because it happened before or during bowl season, it also was on Christmas Day, mm-hmm. so there was a lot of things that weren't great about it. At the Crampton Bowl, it's <laughs> the name of the stadium. Yeah, and then you had the East-West game, which was in Palo Alto, which I went to that one. Yeah, and that was actually considered a highly desirable All-Star game to go to. And then the Senior Bowl in my era was viewed as something that you did not want to go to, because they had practices that were in. In full pads, they had a lot of contact, and players that were looking at potentially playing in these all-star games thought that that, that was a very high-risk proposition and a risk of serious injury, which many guys didn't want to even have an, an opportunity to partake in that. But the uh, the East-West Shrine game in Palo Alto was awesome. I, I had Mike Godfried was our head coach of the yeah. East squad. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson, the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes at that time was the assistant coach and soon to be named the Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. head coach right after that. Uh, that was uh, – we had a great staff, had a great time, had a lot of great teammates out there, and uh, and that was cool. I, in, in that game, I'll never forget that, that we won. We dominated them. And uh, <laughs> I got to play middle linebacker, outside linebacker, defensive end, and defensive tackle and nose tackle. I got to play five positions. Jimmy Johnson let me play all five positions in that game. Pretty good. It was awesome. It's pretty good. It was fun. A lot of fun. I love this story every year. I told you, this, this story comes around well, this week every year. The stories that story. the stories that shall remain untold <laughs> was that they actually gave us these. Uh, they had a fleet of cars. Okay, and so you know, so that you could get around town or get to the practice if you weren't going to ride the bus or if you wanted to go get something to eat. And so we somehow, we, me and about four other guys, mm. got a hold of a van. Of course. And so the I van. I have an idea where this is going. <laughs> the van used to um, leave a little bit uh, in the evening and return very late, and we would take oh. naps in the middle of the day. Right. So we had one guy that after we went out to dinner, okay, one night, and had some fun. We couldn't wake him up in the van to get him inside to the hotel that we were staying at. So we tied his shoelaces together and just left him in the van. So then the next morning we're going out, and I'm not going to name names here. Oh, why not? So then the next morning we're going out to the buses to head to practice. And we go out to the van. We look inside the van. He's still in there. Wow. Just sleeping away. We're like... Dude, come on, man. We got practice. And he's like, literally, we open up the door, and he's falling out of the van because his shoes are still tied together. Yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. We had a good time, Palo Alto. Uh, sounds like you did. What a week it was. Yeah. Back in, what, 1989, right? That, uh, that would have been, yeah, 1989, January of 1989. I won't tell you how old I was in January of 1989. How old were you? I was young. Young. I was young. Joe, were you 30? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go around the national. JP was three. <laughs> I was uh, You were 31? I was seven. No, I'd have been I'd have been eight. 
You're eight. Yeah, you were eight. Yeah. Joe was thirty-one. <sighs> I was twenty. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Twenty-two. Twenty-one. Yeah, twenty-one. Twenty-one. Twenty. I was drafted at twenty-one. Reber was negative five. Our man Reber pushing the buttons behind the scenes. He was uh, he wasn't even a thought in his parents' mind. Yet. Let's go around the National Football League and the dominant story of the week. Brian Flores has filed a proposed class action lawsuit against the NFL and three teams in particular. On top of it, the Dolphins, Broncos, and Giants, alleging that the Dolphins owner offered money for him to lose games in 2018 to enhance draft position and pressured him to recruit a prominent quarterback in violation of league tampering rules. He also alleges the Giants used his interview only to fill the Rooney Rule requirements and had apparent text messages from Bill Belichick mistakenly texting him congratulations instead of Brian Dable hours before Brian Flores was scheduled to interview and alleges that Broncos leadership didn't take his interview seriously a couple years back. He's seeking unspecified economic and punitive damages, and it has set the NFL world uh, ablaze. Well, he, he made a lot of uh, serious accusations, and uh, I know that there were some uh, statements that were issued to refute some of the allegations that he made. And uh, the one thing that I really don't understand, just to, to going back before the lawsuit happened, was how does Brian Flores get fired? I mean, seriously, he, he has been, uh, I think, has done a really good job as a head coach and managing a situation in Miami and has continued to get uh, and get teams to play better down the line. The situation appears that, and I don't know if this is ownership or this, there was a, a, a battle between him and the general manager that happened and he lost, mm-hmm. which that's happened before in the National Football League. Yes. But the allegations are very serious, and I think there definitely has to be something done to change the way that the hiring process is currently working because out of all of the openings that have been filled so far, there hasn't been a minority candidate. And there's some qualified – Candidates, but not a a hiring. Hiring. There has not been a a candidate hired. Correct. I think that's a problem. I think that's a major problem. I also think that that for – I know that the intent of the Rooney Rule is what it is, and but I, there's got to be a better way to accomplish the diversity that the league is trying to reach, and I don't know the answer to that. But it, uh, I think it will open up a lot of eyes, and uh, and I think Brian Flores has taken a very bold step because it could essentially end his career. And- he, Much like Colin Kaepernick yep. in the National Football League. And I just wondered also what will it do to his relationship with Bill Belichick, which I knew, and I know a lot of people say that doesn't matter because it's more important to address some of the bigger issues. And I get that. But you want to have as many allies in this, in this struggle to gain attention to the issues that you're trying to point out. And uh, so – Crazy situation, and I, I think it certainly is an issue that creates a black eye on the league because if you look at what's happened so far, it's hard to argue that things shouldn't be done differently. Only one African-American head coach in the NFL at the moment. And he's Pittsburgh. one of the most successful Mike ones. Mike Tomlin, yes. And I thought Brian Flores had a lot of the same qualities of Mike Tomlin. I'm surprised that Brian Flores hasn't gotten an interview here. And uh, 
and that's just my personal opinion. Uh, I think very highly of, of Brian Flores as far as the job that he had been able to do in the first couple of years. And if the allegations about him getting paid to lose are true, oh, boy. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not good. Oh, boy. Uh, other news this week. Tom Brady retired after 22 seasons. Awesome. They made it officially official this week. That he's awesome. He's the goat. He's, gonna, he's, he's just put him in the hole now. Yeah, it's not even, it's not even close. That nope. he he is the greatest of all time. He has been a total class act, and he did more. I think he did more this year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers than last year than any other player is capable. Any other player in the history of the National Football League, he did more for that organization last year than any player has ever done for an organization as far as from a leadership standpoint. And I'm talking across the board, a leadership standpoint in the locker room with players and from a leadership standpoint with the coaching staff, ownership, organization, everything. And that that last run with guys who've been wanting for a long time and then go somewhere at the tail end, a lot of times it doesn't go that well. This is certainly the exception to that. Washington football team has a new name. The Commanders. Yeah, I mean, it's what do you the, think? The whole process was kind of you know they got a helicopter that let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> Joe Theismann, in typical form, couldn't keep his mouth shut and uh, not tell what the name was going to be. So yeah, that's a typical uh, Washington football team. Washington Commanders. I mean, that's just a typical happening for that organization. I mean, that. That organization has been uh, somewhat dysfunctional over the years. Yeah, there are some former employees that were meeting with members of Congress today as uh, well. Yeah. So a, all that's going on. Yeah, also. so people want to term what's going on with the Jaguars as dysfunctional. Whoa, slow yeah. down. Take a look at the, the Washington Commanders. That's Joe Fortunato on audio. Brent Reber on video. Jeff, we'll talk to you soon. You got it. Jeff Lagerman. I'm J.P. Shadrick. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.